Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for entrepreneurial women redefining the meaning of work. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. In each episode, you will hear candid conversations with female founders, movement makers, and thought leaders to help you navigate success on your own terms. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, we are back with another episode. And in this episode, we are talking to lifestyle, home, and interiors influencer, Jade Vanriel. If you have Twitter, you'd probably know that just under two years ago, Jade went viral on the internet. Why? Well, at just 23 years old, Jade bought her first home without the bank of mom and dad in Harlow. I know, amazing. But in this episode, we take a very deep look at Jade's career journey, from graduating from Birmingham City University with a law degree, to then pivoting into a career in product development and product management with no experience whatsoever. And we obviously talk about her journey into content creation. We also talk about side hustling, taking care of ourselves, and choosing to have faith in the face of uncertainty. So grab a drink, get comfy, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. You studied law at Birmingham City University, and then you got a job in product development. Walk us through that journey from wanting to be a lawyer to pivoting into product development. I went to Birmingham City University to study my law LLB. I wanted to be a barrister, and that was always my goal, just because I felt like I you know, was a good writer, reader, and arguer. So I thought that was perfect for that. But whilst I was at university, I kind of fell out of love with it. I think that's something that they don't really teach you in terms of what the academic side is like versus the actual career. So I realised quite early on that it wasn't for me, but I just complete the degree and then figure out what I was going to do. And I had no backup plan because I had always focused on law. So what was going on during university is that I was saving for my home. So I knew that I, well, I was 
saving in general, but I knew I didn't want to go back home after feeling so independent in Birmingham for so many years. So I always had an aim to buy my own place. And from doing that, I suppose, two years after leaving uni is how I ended up forging my whole new career and a whole new direction for my life that I had not planned for. So I started my YouTube channel when I finished university and it was kind of, they always say when women go through breakups, they cut their hair, they do something new, they do things that they've been suppressing. That's basically what happened with me. I went out, I bought a camera, I bought a MacBook and I said, finally, I'm going to pull the plunge and just do this channel because I'd been an avid like lover of YouTube for quite a few years throughout uni that's what kind of kept me going because I was I was also blogging but writing but I just stopped doing that because I just found it a bit too time consuming and I just wanted to talk so I sort of left my blog my written blog um, whilst at uni and then the year I finished uni and came back um, back to London is when I started the channel and I didn't have any direction for it. I was just copying what I was seeing out there. Beauty videos, what's in my bag, get to know me tags, things like that. And so there was no true purpose for my channel, no direction at all, until I actually bought my home two years later. So that's when I then created the content, which was all about property and doing up my home, renovating it, because I bought quite an ugly old flat. And that's how I forged a career into, you know, property and YouTube and interiors and all of that and left law behind. So I forgot about my actual nine to five, didn't I? So throughout all of that, I, ha- I had a nine to five job. <laughs> I fell into product management because my first real grad job was at a legal publishing company, which I had was very familiar with at university. So it's like a legal library. I had used it and I was really familiar with it. And they had a product role, which I didn't know what that was. I just thought it would be a legal role. But when I got there, it, was, it wasn't about the content. It was about the product, the website. So I fell into that world and then had a few jobs after that that were sort of more in line with advertising and product uh, management and stuff like that. So you had no experience in product development and management? Absolutely none. No. So my first, yeah. <laughs> so the first role at legal company was like a product analyst role, really. And it was mainly focused on search, the search engines on the website, the filters, a bit of UX, customer insight. So it was all sorts of analysis and figuring out how people are using the sites and how to better different features. And it was actually very technical, but I, I just fell into it because it was about things I was familiar with. It was about legal terms. It was about land law and employment law, things and cases that I was, had learned about. So in my mind, it felt like, oh, this is really interesting. It's in line with things I'm aware of. But actually, it wasn't practicing law in any way, which is what I was happy with, because by my final year of uni, I knew I didn't want to practice it after. I had a few temp jobs and I would meet people along the way who had vast experience in law that just weren't getting any jobs. And that sort of solidified for me, actually, I'm not built for that life. Um, Not that everyone's journey is the same. However, in terms of becoming a barrister in particular, it is a lot about who you know. It is quite a boys club and it is very much a journey and you have to have a lot of patience and that's something I did not have and passion for it so I was very honest with myself and just said no I just need to go into working so I was very happy that the role wasn't actually a legal role and it was product but I was I mean myself and a colleague we were the first people to do that product analyst role in that in that company so we were able to sort of form and make it our own 
which was amazing because it's such a new thing at the time. So navigating that was just, I mean, we just fell into it. We were just, I was really young and just, just figured it out. Yeah. I don't think it's something we discuss often, but I mean, for me, I know exactly what you mean. Like, you know, at nine, I wanted to be a lawyer and I decided that was going to be, that was going to be my path. That was my passion. I was going to save the world, you know, and I yeah. mapped my entire, you know, all my GCSEs and my A-levels were to like A-levels, add up to, yeah. <laughs> you know, what they say that you need to actually get into uni. And at like 16, you know, I was doing a lot of research and like you, I realized, I fortunately realized before I went to uni, that you know it is a bit of a journey and I realized as much as I wanted to help yeah very long and I realized that I wanted to help people and I wanted to make a difference but law wasn't the only way that I could do it you know you grew up kind of being told oh yeah you know you're very argumentative you're a good debater you're a good speaker and a writer be a lawyer and you go okay yeah sure no problem (laughs) but being the serial planner that I was I mapped it all out and at 16 I was just like, I don't want to do this. So what do I do now? And you kind of faced with that. Oh my God, I don't know what my next step is. What I'm doing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a feeling. It honestly did feel, I was very lost, very lost, just kind of figuring it out. But one thing that I think did help me is that my mum was really supportive in that. She always said, as long as you finish your degree, you have that, you know, as a backup, you'll be good. Go out there and figure out what it is that you know what you're good at but if anything fails at least you have that and you can you know continue that path so I think choosing a strong degree like that was beneficial for me just in that it kind of gave me the the comfort and safety blanket of knowing that okay I don't know what I'm doing right now but if all else fails I have something to sort of like help me out or you know I could go down that route if I wanted to but of course I never got back to that that feeling of wanting to um thank god but you're absolutely right in that I think what it is at such young ages is that we are so unaware of the kinds of careers that are out there I mean I had no idea that there was anything like any jobs around products I just kind of thought that a machine built websites and things I don't know I just thought that it just happened I did not think there were people behind that, you know, that was analysing how people use things and running tests. And I had no idea. So I think that really does come when you're actually thrown out into the job world and you figure it out on the job or you hear about different roles and you research different things. But at university, unfortunately, there is a limited, there are limited routes that are expressed there. And you can kind of go down routes that you're not really always in love with. But that's all you know sometimes. I really appreciate you sharing that with me because I know for me it was very difficult feeling so lost. And I know that there are a lot of people who are probably currently in that situation where they're not quite sure what their next step is supposed to be. And one thing I've learned to do is just try everything, like dip your your feet in everything and see what you like and what you don't like and what works out. Yeah, absolutely. Because if I didn't sort of go down, you know, just accepting that role, because I thought it was something that it wasn't, but that was actually a blessing in disguise. That's what helped me to even buy my property, you know, um, getting into a job that had a, a decent salary at such an early stage of my career and having that stability so I I mean 100% I think people should just go and try different things and that's how you realize what you actually like because a lot of things can sound amazing and until you start working there and then it's a different story 
you started, I guess, YouTubing and blogging in your second year of uni? So I had a written blog throughout university. And when I finished university, that's when I started my YouTube channel. And that was during the period of me figuring out what I was doing with myself. Um, So I was doing a lot of temp jobs and things. And then I started my channel. And that's when I then found my more stable job, which was the legal product role. And I was doing YouTube, I suppose, from then. I was maybe posting one video a month, if that. So it was very sporadic, very much no direction, just just a hobby. I was at that time living in my aunt's spare room and she had another like box room and I would go in there when she was at work sometimes and film because at the, at those times she did not understand what on earth I was doing. So I would like hide what I was doing. I'd have like a little lamp and my camera on stack, like books I'd stack up and I'd film little videos and she would have no idea. She didn't get it. So that's what I was doing on the side, just as a hobby, just just kind of imitating the YouTubers that I enjoyed with no real purpose for it, just something to do. And as I said, yeah, it's only two years later that it actually became something tangible. What made you decide to go for, to focus on video content versus sticking with writing? Like a lot of people know that they want to create some form of content, but they aren't quite sure where to begin, you know, whether they should blog, vlog or, you know, podcast now. What pushed you closer to video-based content creation? So I, as I, I was saying, whilst at uni, uni was a lot for me at the time. I remember losing my nan during uni and I actually wanted to quit. So I think for me, writing a blog felt like another piece of coursework for me. So I I just stopped doing it. I had a year of just not doing any content before leaving uni. So when I left uni, I had a lot of time on my hands to watch YouTube videos and everyone I was watching, I felt like I could do, do that as well. So for me at the time, I just felt like I could do what they were doing. And I loved YouTube so much. I wasn't watching any TV. I didn't have a TV in my room. I just had a laptop. So that was pretty much my entertainment. And so I just felt like I could definitely imitate them. And I liked talking, as I always have. I liked talking. I liked expressing myself in that way rather than writing by that time. So that's why I chose video. So it wasn't strategic in any way because I didn't actually have a core theme for the channel at that time that kind of came along later down the line and I used that platform because it was just the easier one for me to express myself so that's why yeah I chose YouTube. At what point did you realize okay I could potentially move into something else you know a lot of people know you because you know you've been all over the media as the 23 year old who bought her first flat without the bank of mom and dad was it that time where that kind of blew up you felt like okay I could actually harness this space and how did you prepare for that and how did you position yourself to leverage the attention you were getting? Yeah, so two years after sort of doing YouTube and doing what I was seeing is when I bought my home. And I didn't document the journey because it was a it was a horrible journey. It was a hard journey. So I always, in terms of, I think what kept me through that journey was saying to myself, when this is done, I'm going to do a YouTube video on it because people don't know what happened. 
at least nobody at my age at the time even knew what it took to buy a home. Um, nobody around me. And I didn't see any videos or any content out there that I could relate to that talked about it. So I was like, you know, that's going to be my goal. As soon as I get the keys, I'm going to sit down and tell everyone what's been going on for the past two years. So when I filmed that first video of me in my home, just kind of going through the journey and the experience that I had and sharing a few tips, that video went viral. It didn't go viral on YouTube, but it was shared everywhere. It was shared all over the internet, in everyone's group chats. It was it was huge. And that's where a lot of media attention started to come. And so from that, I was then asked to create more content, more detailed content on, you know, how did I stay for it? And I've always loved home videos and just home interiors in general. There weren't a lot of videos out there, but I loved home interiors. It's something I've always loved. So I just decided to document it because the flat that I had bought needed a complete revamp. So I just did a, a load of videos documenting the journey. So it became a staple thing. That's what I was known for because prior to that, nobody knew me or my channel because I wasn't doing very much. And in terms of preparing for that, I guess I just, I had a lot of ideas. I had a lot to document because I had a lot to do. And I was just responding to whatever videos and questions people had. I would, you know, create specific content on that and have discussions on Twitter, on Instagram, and just give people what they needed. Because in my mind, there was a huge gap. Um, I didn't realize as much then until now when I look back at how much there was a gap. And actually, it was a bit of, in my mind, God's timing because. It wasn't planned. I didn't know that there was nobody else doing it. It just so happened that when I started talking about it, it was like everyone woke up, you know, that re up that was young and finally realized that they could do it at a young age and they don't have to put it off until their forties or their late thirties. So there was no strategy to it, but once it was up and running, then I became sort of realized, you know, where I stood in that in that world and the content that um, people resonated with me with and I continue to do that it's that you know trial and error and then you kind of see what works and then you sort of you dive straight in on it and you you double down on what 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 it is that people want and what it is that people are responding to I think especially where we are now in terms of social media and influencer marketing I feel like there is a lot of people who want to be in that influencer space I think a lot of people are quite confused around, I guess, how to navigate or how to cultivate their own sort of personal brand. And I think the term personal brand is a bit washed now. But <laughs> I'm sick of it. But in the sense that you have built an incredible personal brand, you have doubled down on this niche. You know, when I think of properties, interiors, you know, as a Gen Z, you can say, uh, and also for millennials, you've kind of exposed a lot of us to the potential of you can buy a house you need to make a few sacrifices and but you can actually get on the property ladder and you have used your influence for good but for someone who isn't quite sure about what they want their personal brand to look like how do you define a personal brand as a concept and how do you sort of build your personal brand in the age where there is so much going on in social media and it can feel quite saturated well, I'd say, first of all, everybody has a personal brand, whether you realise that or not. Because to me, your personal brand is what people perceive you to be. So sometimes I think to myself, oh, my brand isn't strong, but everyone around me is like, are you crazy? Your brand is so strong. This, this, this and this is what I know you as. 
So I think everyone has a personal brand in some way in terms of how people perceive you, what you're good at, what your strengths are, and what you seem passionate about from the outside. You may not even be as passionate inside, but it's what you're sort of giving out. So I think the first thing would be for anyone that wants to, you know, cultivate that or figure that out is to really sit down and see what they're passionate about. Because honestly, I don't think I'd still be doing YouTube now if I was not passionate about property and interiors because passion is what keeps you going because it's not an easy you know route a lot of people do want to be influencers now because they see a lot of people have made a lot of money from it but money doesn't start straight away I didn't make any money on YouTube for years (laughs) and then the first check I did got I was like so happy because it was 60 pounds and that's a threshold so you can't they won't pay you out anything under 60 pounds so I remember at least three years of having my channel or four actually because I was living in this flat when I got my first check and it was 60 pounds and that was like oh my gosh I've made 60 pounds from doing videos but that takes a while and now also YouTube have added some new criteria that has made it a little bit harder as well when in terms of starting out your monetization so you have to do it because you're passionate about it. And what are you passionate about? I don't, you know, don't copy other people. I think obviously it's very saturated and there is room for a lot of people, whether it's beauty or fashion or anything, but make it your own, whatever it is that you are passionate about, make it your own and make sure you have your strong message. And then I think through doing that, that's how your personal brand gets formed. It's about being consistent, but also don't limit yourself. So sometimes I do videos that, aren't in interiors and property sometimes I do vlogs I just posted one sometimes I talk about clothing but that's just goes with how I feel but the ultimate thread that runs through my videos is always something to do with your home something to do with property something to do with interiors and I make sure that that doesn't get lost because audiences on YouTube audience in general these days have quite a low attention span and they want to know what they're coming to you for versus somebody else so that needs to be very clear it's that clear statement of what value you add you know why should people give you their time or their attention or their money so it's and i think that term is a bit lost at the minute you know everyone's really focused on you know getting likes or comments but it really is that statement around what value you add even in the you know even in the corporate space it's about the value you add, you know, how do you solve a problem? How do you alleviate a pain? How do you expose people to new things kind of thing? It's that value add system that I think people forget about sometimes. Absolutely. And to add to that, you're spot on, because if I think back along my journey and where I am now, I do 100% hand on heart believe that I should have a lot more followers recognition and opportunities because I'm niche and because I think what the value I add is amazing however if I focus on that too much I'd stop myself from adding that value to people because I'd be constantly looking at what others are doing and the recognition or the the growth other people have and whereas if I look at my success in terms of well who am I helping x amount of people have just bought homes this year x amount of people have saved ten thousand pounds this year based off of my encouragement that's where I feel my success is and so that's where I choose to focus now because I have had moments where I've looked at the likes or looked at you know the views or looked at you know campaigns and thought why aren't I on that but at the end of the day my ultimate goal here is to show young people and anyone that they can buy their own home that they can save, that they can be disciplined that they can create the lifestyle that they want to create 
so that's where you have to realize what your focus is on because chasing the likes and the money and everything won't let it come quicker it's more the passion in what you're creating yeah absolutely and I think a lot of times people get quite you know like you said you even get discouraged sometimes thinking oh my god there should be you know I should be here I should you know I should already be in this position but one of the things that I've learned is and it's fundamentally pushed me into finally launching this podcast because this has been an idea for three years I mean I've been listening to podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever for a very long time before podcasts were even a trending thing you know it was just I was listening to them very 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 long ago and one of the things that I was always a little bit too concerned about was well what if people don't listen to it what if people don't like it what if I don't do it properly But one of the statements that's kind of held me and continues to hold me is that if you build, they will come. And, you know, if you start, they you give people the opportunity to show up for you. But if you don't do anything, there is nothing there. If you don't launch the blog, there's nothing for them to read. If you don't launch the the YouTube channel, there's nothing for them to watch, you know. So if you build it and you build it well and you focus on building it consistently, I believe in the law of attraction. I believe that what you put out, you eventually will get it in return. So what you would say is one of the biggest misconceptions people have, digital influencers and content creators. Oh my gosh, (laughs) so many I actually had a rant in my latest blog because I was saying that people think that it's so easy. That's the first one. People think all you do is wave a camera in your face. And don't get me wrong, there are definitely there's definitely a spectrum when it comes to this world. There are influential people, influencers, digital creators who do have it easy, who may just take pictures now and again, and they have such a big following that there isn't much effort to it, right? Then you've got people who have got to a great position and they have people editing, doing everything on their behalf. They just show up. Then you have people like me who is every single role possible in the job. I'm the editor. I am the person that comes up with the ideas, creates the brief. I'm the person that's the creative director. Like if I go and do a shoot, I'm the one thinking of the angle, thinking of writing scripts for myself. I'm then the one promoting the content. So there were so many stages to it and it's not easy at all because, I mean, I work more than the average person now. I'm always working pretty much every day. Everything is work. If I'm posting a picture, I'm thinking about, you know, captions and and then I've got deadlines and there was so much and there were people much busier than me. So I can only imagine how crazy it is for them. But I'd say that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's super easy and, you know, people have it easy. They don't do very much. They just, you know, it's it's a leisure kind of role. And unfortunately for me, it's not yet. Hopefully one day. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I think people look at creators and think, oh, my God, that's got to be so easy. And I think people underestimate how much work goes into creativity as, as a whole, but also executing on that creativity. Yeah, exactly. You're now a full-time influencer. Tell us how did that happen? Yes, that is quite scary. I mean, I've always wanted this to happen, but I didn't feel I was anywhere close to where I needed to be in terms of the numbers and, you know, the opportunities to be able to sustain myself being full-time. Because, of course, I have a mortgage, I have every bill possible that is all on me. So I was never going to just quit my job and, you know, just go out there and see what happens. I couldn't do that. 
but it was always a goal to work towards that eventually within the next couple of years. So last July, the day before my birthday, I was made redundant out of the blue completely. So wasn't prepared in any kind of way in terms of I had a few savings, but I didn't save for self-employment. I hadn't got to that point yet. And I didn't feel I was even in a position. I mean, I didn't think I would be that busy or have enough jobs and work to do being self-employed just then. So that was kind of a wow moment. But the same day that it happened, I was I got on the train. I was told I could leave at two o'clock in the day. I got on the train to go home. And whilst on the train, I get an email on my phone from a bank that I had worked with the previous year saying to me, we want to work with you again. Um, this is our budget, which was like the most I've ever been paid for a role for that at that point. Not a role, sorry, an opportunity at that point. And I just felt like I'm actually going to be okay. If this has just come in on the same day, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust this. I've been putting it out there. Again, a huge believer in the law of attraction. I've been writing every single month's goal, self-employment, even though I didn't feel ready. I was constantly... You know, all my passwords were self-employed 2020, like stuff like that. It was crazy. So I don't even know why I was, I don't really know why I was so shocked because I kind of brought it to myself, but I still didn't truly think that it would happen so soon, you know? So to get that email and to be busy from that day on, you know, I mean, that was on a, a, a Wednesday. My birthday was on the, the Thursday, had the weekend. By Monday, I was working on a project, working on a thing. And actually a month before that I had signed with an agency so I just called her I said look I've just lost my job so I need you to I've got all the time in the world now to be at things to you know create content to have meetings and I've been busy since then I mean that was what six seven months ago or something but I didn't prepare for it and I've had scary moments I've had stressful moments I've had the odd moment of thinking about a job but not as much as I thought I would and It's also allowed me to think more creatively and have more time to work on different things and have different ideas because now I'm really in grind mode because if I don't work, I don't make any money. So there's another kind of pressure. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. I mean, prior to you going full time, I imagine this was probably the projects were racking up. How did you balance having a full time job with what has become pretty much a full-time full-time job you know I can imagine that transition was probably quite hard but how did you manage your time and your finances you know in trying to be good at your job at your nine-to-five but also still trying to build what would have would now enable you to be a full-time influencer yeah so I I don't really know how I did it honestly I in my mind there was no balance but people externally always thought I was a full-time blogger so I'm quite proud that I was able to sort of make people think I was always working on these projects when I was actually at work every single day but there was no balance really I think what um, to my detriment I ended up you know being really tired and miss not seeing many friends because of course the days and the evenings that I did have free were to do YouTube stuff so there was no I didn't really have a life And actually, I remember getting to a point at work where I had used up all, by July, I had used up all of my holiday for the year because I had been taking days off for filming, days off for projects, days off for events. And I I remember a few weeks before being made redundant saying to my boyfriend, I actually don't know what's going to happen because I have a feeling a lot more opportunities are going to come this year, meaning the end of 2019. 
and I don't have any holiday. So I was actually going through the process of buying holiday at work. And I actually bought some. I think I bought about three days. Um, but then I wasn't able to use it because I got made redundant. So, and I remember him saying to me, don't worry about that now. We'll deal with that when the time comes. And I was just thinking, I really hope that my job now doesn't get in the way of these opportunities because these opportunities became more of a priority for me than my job. But of course, my job was paying me a more structured pay that I needed. But my priorities and my passion was with everything else outside of that. So I feel like it all happened for a reason. It all came at a great time. In terms of organising my finances, there wasn't a lot of organisation. I think when you're comfortable sometimes in a full-time job as well, you can be really comfortable because you know at a certain day every month you're going to get money again. But this has forced me to be a lot more organised and watch every penny and also try and build more streams of income so that, I mean, one thing that I have learned is that invoices just don't get paid on time these days. So where I'm used to having a payment at a certain time, every single month. Now, you know, things are being chased. And luckily, my agent is on that and I don't have to be a pain to these brands. But, you know, things coming in a day late, a few weeks late is normal. And now I've had to sort of, like, create a safety net around myself to know that if something does come late, I'll be okay. And that's where I'm at now, just sort of getting myself into that routine. That's amazing. I mean, I'm all about diversifying your income and having sort of safety nets. You know, that's why I'm like, have a side hustle just in case the main gig doesn't work out. You know, prepare yourself just in case anything happens, have emergency savings, etc. But you are the queen of side hustling. <laughs> Incredible. You're a full-time influencer. You also have Van Real Co, which is your homeware, luxury homeware and furnishings line. Tell me, how did that happen or what inspired or motivated the decision to design your own brand of homework oh my gosh it wasn't planned at all I was on a budget when I moved and bought this flat I was super young and didn't have a big budget for you know doing up my home but I had very expensive taste <laughs> that I couldn't afford so a lot of the pieces that I really loved that I'd look online at I could not afford and I definitely couldn't justify spending that money on it when I needed to pay bills so I just decided I would figure out how to make that myself so I bought a, a cheap sewing machine and I had no idea how to use one never used one before but I just opened it one I dedicated a weekend I said okay I'm going to try and make something I was on eBay found some really pretty fabric it was like a roll end of, of a really luxurious fabric and I bought it and then I thought okay I'm going to try and sew something together and I made it and it, it looked beautiful from far but the stitching was abysmal but I remember sending pictures to my mom and my boyfriend and they were like oh well, that's nice where did you buy it and I was like no I made it and they didn't believe me my mom called me I was like no you didn't how on earth did you make that like I didn't know you could sew I didn't know how to sew I just turned it on and just figured it out I just thought okay this must be how you do it and then I I think a week later once I had built the confidence I posted it on my Banreal homepage and it wasn't to tell people I'm selling cushions because I wasn't it was just to show people hey guys look what I made like isn't this nice because it was two cushions and like a matching bed runner which I just folded the the remaining of the fabric and put it on the end because I thought it looked really nice and that, that picture went viral all over like the world in terms of there's a really strong sort of home interiors community on Instagram 
of, you know, normal people that share updates in their homes and stuff. And I'd become one of those people, like part of that community. But I only, I think I only had like a couple of hundred followers at that point. That picture went viral, it was reposted. And then my DMs just flooded with questions of, are you selling these? Where is it from? Where can we buy it? And that's how it happened. No plans. I didn't have a website. Everything was, you know, sold through PayPal, through Instagram DMs. And I was, I remember calling my boyfriend saying, you need to come over. I need help. I need to figure out, you know, like packaging. I need, where do I buy this from? And I just bought everything off eBay and, you know, research stuff. And yeah, that's how it happened. Um, No structure, no plans at all. So how did you go from, you know, I'm just taking a photo to, oh crap, this could actually be a business idea? Yeah. So I was so excited that people really loved what I had made. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to start selling it. And the first person that wanted to put an order in was in New York. And I remember being like, oh my goodness, this is going to New York. I just learned how to sew last week, you know? So I did more research and just started perfecting what I was doing before sending anything out. And then I was, and people were reposting it on their pages and tagging me and the word really got out there and spread. So it was all me. I was sewing everything myself and I had absolutely no life at that point. And it was exciting for the first couple of months. But after a few months, I was putting on weight. I was stressed because all I was doing was sitting down sewing every evening after work, every weekend. That's all I was doing. So I wasn't active. I wasn't going anywhere. And it started to take its toll on me. So I had a couple of breaks throughout the past two years two to three years that it's been out because it starts to get a lot for me and so reason being why I've kind of had a break at the moment with it is because I'm working on a different way of getting that those that that same quality and everything out rather than you know my time now because now I don't have the time as much as I did at at that time and so I just remember figuring out okay what cushion sizes am I going to offer and these are the options this is the option for the bed runners and I just stick at that now at first it was just one fabric and that everyone loves and then four drops the fabric becomes discontinued so that amazing fabric that everyone fell head over heels with became discontinued and now I had to find something else so my initial thing was to you know find something that was really similar same kind of vibe and that worked And then I thought, okay, people are asking me for different colors and, you know, a different theme, different fabric. So that was great. But I had to also remember that it was, I was a one man band, so I couldn't have too much options. So I did streamline in terms of, right, these are the set, you know, sizes that I'm doing. And in these two, I think it was two or three fabrics at that time. And then I started to build my uh, website on Wix. And that made it a lot easier because I didn't have to keep, you know, going through DMs, taking pictures and showing people what was on offer. I could update the stock on there. And yeah, that's that's kind of how it all happened. But whilst that was going on, although I was really excited and happy because it wasn't something I saw coming, I was also really, really stressed as well because I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't have anything planned. There was no structure. It was just me going home and sewing every day. So that was a bit difficult to navigate at the time. Wow. And were you doing this whilst you were working full time still? Yeah. Yeah. And doing YouTube. And doing YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Self-care wasn't a thing. Self-care was not, it didn't exist. It didn't exist. 
I wasn't active like that's when I was putting on weight I just I wasn't myself because I was just constantly like on edge making sure orders got out on time and people were happy and you know that that sort of started to build up and also I would say YouTube took a bit of a loss because of that so my focus became that more over YouTube so my consistency went down on YouTube and I was quite stagnant. I even remember filming a video talking about how I felt stagnant on YouTube, but it was truly because my focus and attention and time was going into Vanuel Co. So there was no balance at all at that time. And I think I had to go through that to learn what balance really was because, yeah, it was far from balance at that time. And what made you decide to go, okay, I'm going to put my focus back on YouTube and put a pause on Van Wilco? Yeah, so it was when I looked, I, I felt like I'd put on quite a bit of weight. And I know weight, you know, weight is subjective, but I just wasn't feeling very healthy. I wasn't feeling myself. And also I was quite down because I was always at home. So I was not really being social. And I remember just feeling like, I'm barely doing anything like my boyfriend would come round, and I loved him being here but then I would just be stressed constantly thinking of tomorrow I need to sew you know tomorrow I need to sew this order and this and it was just getting a bit too much for me so I decided at that point anyway a lot of things had started selling out so I remember doing a sell sort of clear the stock and then there wasn't really anything for people to order even though the questions and inquiries were still coming in I would say you know we're working on getting new fabrics this is discontinued and stuff just to buy myself some time and so that's what I did towards the end of that first year and then I started focusing on YouTube because at the end of the day YouTube was as I've always said and as I said before I did always feel that I could eventually become self-employed from it to realize that I wasn't doing half as much as I should have been doing I was nowhere near getting to that goal and that was kind of my wake-up call it was yes Banyoko is doing great and yes it's making you know decent money but it's not something I could live off YouTube could be lived off I remember the first video that I that I made a thousand pounds on and I was so shocked and that was me doing my flat tour doesn't have a million views and I always thought a million views equals a million pounds. That's far from the truth. It really varies. There is no set criteria for that. But I remember that happening one month. The next month was 800. And, and it varies every month. Sometimes it could be 500. But I remember thinking to myself, if I really work on this and, you know, double up on what I'm doing, I can make 2,000 maybe or 3,000. And then I'm covering my salary, you know. So that's kind of when I realized, okay, you need to get your mind back into YouTube because it's it's more of a long-term strategy. And also your clients that are that love your Banwell Co products, they've got their products at the moment. They're not really going to buy anything unless something new comes up. So you're not missing out too much, you know. You can you can afford to have a pause here and always come back when you're ready to. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, what I love is that you had a focus. Your goal was, I want to be self-employed. And YouTube is that opportunity to create that and to make that a reality. And it's so important that we double down on the things that can make our dreams a reality. We can get a little bit, you know, distracted by whether that's money or a little bit too much is happening. You know, we have our foot, our feet in a hundred different parts. But for you, it was always important, you know, be self-employed first and maintain that self-employment and then you can, you know, expand yourself. Absolutely, I agree. And actually now 
I'm really happy that I did start Van Rilco then just because the brand is out there. It's known, so it has an audience right now. And even though I'm not currently putting anything new out, I know that when I do in a few months, it's going to be received well. So it's great that I did start it, but I'm also really happy that I realised when to pause and when to refocus. Because actually, if I hadn't, then I'd be scrambling now to start doing YouTube videos because I've lost my job, you know? Whereas if, because I did refocus on the YouTube stuff, as soon as I did lose my job, there were opportunities for YouTube coming in. So timing really is key. And, you know, now I'm in a position to, I mean, YouTube is still a focus because it's about maintaining it now. But it's also, I'm at a point where I can now with the more time that I have, think about Van Real Co, think about other things without having the full-time job in the way, I suppose. You didn't start making money from YouTube till maybe, what, three years in or two years in? And then I think a lot of people get so caught up in, you know, I'm going to start it and then the money's going to come. You know, it's a marathon. How did you maintain that marathon and maintain that commitment when there was no real incentive? Yeah, there was, so there was no incentive. And I, I feel like that was amazing because, I think that's something that people now starting won't have as much of because people know YouTubers get paid now. At those times, I had no idea. Nobody talked about getting paid. Nobody knew you could live off that, you know. A lot of the YouTubers I followed still did work. So it wasn't a thing that you would make your, your job. And so it was solely focused on the passion. It was solely a hobby. It was solely something fun to do and something to share with your friends. Although at the time, actually, my friends didn't share it. They, they didn't support it. I was weird, you know. Talking to yourself and talking on YouTube at that time was a weird thing to do. I think a lot of people around were quite embarrassed. It was weird. So, you know, but it was something to just do or something fun to me. It was something I was passionate about and I liked to talk. And it was something to occupy myself. So that's what really kept me going without thinking about money because I didn't think money was a thing. I just remember getting an email saying, you can, you can now sign up to Google Ads. And I thought, oh, okay, what's this? You know, no idea what, I mean, I was thinking you could get £2 a month. I had no idea. So that wasn't something that I was aiming for. And then when I did get my first check and it was £60 and that was huge to me, I thought, okay, I'm going to try and push for £100. Like if I can make £100 extra every month, I could use that for doing my nails or getting my hair done, you know, something extra because at the time what I was making at work, you know, wasn't a lot because I was also saving. So at that time, every penny helped, you know. So it was huge at the time to make that kind of money um, from just posting videos that I just liked to do. But now, obviously, knowing the kind of money that can be made and with so many people posting videos out there talking in depth about the money that they can make, some people make five, ten, fifteen thousand pounds a month from their YouTube videos. And that is like mind blowing. And not everyone is going to get there. I might not get there. But it's now worth doing your best, especially if this is something that I want to rely on and not go back to work. Then I, I have to push to make as much as I can. But that only comes by creating the best content I can. You know, there is no set formula of if I post 10 videos this month then I'm going to make this. No, it's more so the quality of it and in hopes that it's going to reach the, a good amount of people who are going to engage with it and see the adverts to then make the money. There are a lot of things in place before you get to that kind of money. 
and there are also YouTube algorithms similar to Instagram. So not posting regularly can bring things down and there's so many moving parts. Yeah, you know, like we said earlier, you know, if you build it, they will come. And I remember when blogging and vlogging was like the weird girls club, you know, <laughs> like it was like, what are you doing? Why do you have a website? Who do you think you are? I remember that period. I was like 15, 16, like reading blogs and everyone and writing and everyone's just like, why are you doing this? And I remember I never really shared my blog like that because it was, it was a little bit embarrassing. And I eventually stopped, not because of that, but because I needed to go on a journey of figuring out what my voice was really going to be because blogging started to really kick off. And I was like, I don't, I, you know, I made the fundamental decision to, I can continue this and this may not be the voice that I want to continue it and I'll be known for this, or I can take a step back go figure it out. And then I can come back at some point and figure out what I want to do. I mean, that's like what, seven years ago now where I decided, okay, put a pause, we'll come back to it. And now I've decided, okay, I want to go in the podcast space because that's always been where I've wanted to go and I guess I've been working on it for the past few months and it's only the last I guess month I've really been telling people like oh yeah this is really this is coming out this is what I'm working on because I feel like for a lot of us we kind of allow ourselves to be a little bit distracted or a little bit disengaged because we're afraid of what other people might think I'm fortunate that I'm like I don't really care do what you want to do say what you want to say la di da di da But I know that not everyone is like that. What advice do you have for people who they want to go out and create content whatever in whatever form that they want to or that they're good at, but they're afraid of what their friends might say or how they'll show up on the internet? You know, what advice do you have for them? Well, what I've realized in my journey is that when I first did it, the response from people I knew was non-existent. And I would always think, oh, why aren't they, you know, supporting me? They think I'm weird. But as soon as you get the recognition that you deserve from a brand or a person they they know, oh my gosh, you'll see that change in them. And that is not, that shouldn't be your driving force, but just know that they're not always going to find it weird. At some point when you are, you know, so passionate about something and the results are coming in from that, they'll then, people around you will then commend you for it and say, wow, like what you've built and what you've done is amazing. But you will never get there unless you start. I think we're in a time where gone are the days where being shy or holding back from your dreams is acceptable because actually now that's one of the number one regrets people regret not doing things at a certain time you know and if you don't do it honestly someone else will that's what I've realized there'll be a time where you you know you'll see someone say I was going to do that exact thing why didn't I do it look where they look where it's got them now if I only had just acted when you know I felt to because I've always been a shy person but YouTube is actually what changed that in me when I told my mom I was starting my channel she was really, really worried for me because I was a very sensitive person. And from what she knew, you know, there was a lot of hate on there. And she didn't think I'd be able to handle, you know, the exposure and what people would say about me and stuff. But I I was, I don't know where this came from because I think I was just fed up with being shy. I was fed up of not acting on the things I wanted to do by that point that and I had gone through a crazy breakup so I was like no I'm gonna do all the things that you know I haven't done I'm gonna re you know revamp myself and do the things I want to do so she was worried for me but then she was really shocked at how I've been able to navigate everything and she's like I'm so glad I didn't stop you 
because if I had, you would not be where you are now. You wouldn't have the impact you have now and you would not be self-employed. And now she's, she's my biggest fan. She's so proud, but she's so aware that if she had said the wrong things, none of this would have happened. So if you think about that, you know, if I didn't start my channel and if you don't start that idea or get yourself out there or create that project or that podcast, you'll never know what comes on the other side of that. And that is a sad thing. You want to try. And if it doesn't work, hey, there are so many people that can you can just change. You can switch things up. You can go. And I used to be scared and think, oh, my God, if I disappear, the world's going to end. Or I've started this content now. I can't do this. It really doesn't work like that. You can. There are so many people that have started doing as a fitness blogger that are now something completely different. You know, you can evolve. You evolve. People evolve. You're not going to be one thing forever if something doesn't work out you it's fine to change to reevaluate and try something new or try a different social media platform just go for it honestly you will never regret trying something that's what I would say amazing and on that note we're gonna go into the fast five round because I can't top that at all I'm gonna ask you five questions and you just say the first thing that comes to mind is that all right okay Cool. Could you tell us about a software or resource or an app that's helped with your business that you'd recommend? Oh, Wix, I would recommend if you have a product or service that you want to sell, or even if you want to create a portfolio or a blog or anything like that. Super easy templates and everything and quite affordable as well. Brilliant. What's a personal habit that has helped you in life and in business? Ah, personal habit is to write out my to-do list every single morning. So I write down a list of things on a Sunday that I want to do over the week. But every single morning, I'd write down maybe top five, sometimes top 10 things that I need to tick off. And then I just go through that throughout the day. Brilliant. What's a book, a podcast or an event that has helped you significantly in the past year? So actually just finished reading a book called Influencer which is quite insightful if you're somebody who wants to learn more about blogging and you're at the beginning of that world and want to navigate how things work. That's really helpful. And another book that I think is amazing is, oh, The Little Black Book, super amazing black book. I remember reading that whilst I was working and that was kind of me getting myself excited for what life would be like when I wasn't. So just kind of trying to prepare myself for what it means to be self-employed. What are invoices? And, you know, when people talk about things like, oh, invoices don't get paid on time. I had no idea what that meant. So that book was really good. Yeah. What's one lesson you have learned in the past year that's helped with your professional or personal development? If I don't show up for myself, nobody else will. That's heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And finally, a word of advice you would share with women working to cultivate their own thriving careers. Oh my gosh, you have to believe in yourself. Similar to what I just said, you have to be confident and know that you will make mistakes along the way and don't stop yourself because of the fear of failing. You should go for it anyway. And trust me, if things do fail, you'll be surprised at how well you'll know what to do when the time comes. Yeah. Amazing. And if we want to, you know, we want to follow your journey or get in touch, where can they find you on the socials? Yes, you can find me. My name is Jade Van Riel, Jade and then like a van and then I'll come up on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Um, the same name across everything. And I also have a home account, Van Riel Home on Instagram. Brilliant. Thank you so much for this conversation. Genuinely, I've learned so much and I'm ready to take the rest of the day on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Work Thrive, the podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as it allows other entrepreneur women like yourselves to find the show. And if you want to join the community, head over to Instagram at Work Thrive. Speak soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.